How are the finances in your church? Do you have enough money to finance all the needed ministries in your church and community? If your church is stretched to the max financially, you're not alone. Dr. Carlton Bird, Speaker and Director of Breath of Life Ministries and Pastor of Oakwood University Church, is a well-credentialed steward and manager of finances. Dr. Bird will share his best ideas with you. Today's topic, keeping your church afloat financially. You're watching Ministry in Motion. Carlton, leadership is so important when it comes to financial management. Who are the key players in a church to ensure that a church stays afloat financially? Everyone is a key player. But I would dare to say specifically with your question, of course, you have your pastor, you have your church treasurer, you have your stewardship director, your finance committee. Uh, they play a greater role in making sure that the finances of the church stay afloat. Let's talk about the pastor for a minute. Okay. What, what should the pastor do to in, ensure that the church stays afloat? For me as a pastor, the pastor has to be engaged in all the financial operations of the church. When I say engaged, aware. Aware and knowledgeable of what is transpiring. I just don't think uh, a CEO of a company can run a company without being aware of what is transpiring as it relates to the finances of the local church. So I think with the pastor, while he is the chief spiritual officer of the church, the pastor is also the chief executive officer of the church. And with that, the pastor needs to be aware of your inflows, your outflows, your budgeting, how this all works. For my church, and has been the practice in all my churches, small, large, urban, rural, uh, institutional church, regular city church, uh, I'm very much involved in the process for budgeting and financing because there's no way that vision that the Lord has given me for ministry could be implemented or executed without understanding the finances of the church. So let me give you a typical example. Sure. So at our local church, um, the offerings mm -hmm. are collected. And after church on Sabbath, after we have that, there is underneath my office door a, an itemized report as it relates to what came in the church that day, be it Sabbath school offerings, be it uh, personal ministry offerings, be it worship offerings, evangelism offerings, whatever. I have a summary. With that summary, I also have a deposit slip that was taken to the bank. So the deposit slip total needs to match the total that was given as it relates to the summary of the offerings that came in that day. Then on Monday morning, uh, Monday evening, uh, my church treasurer and the treasury department will send me an individualized donor report as to what came in uh, that preceding worship day. So therefore, that donor report will let me know everything that came through an envelope as it relates to what came in by individuals. I will match that total with the deposit slip, which will then match the total for the summer report that came in. So therefore, there's checks and balances. You know, the, the Treasury Department, there, there's checks and balances on me. There are balances on the church Treasury Department because the reality is if something goes wrong, the conference body or persons, uh, church members even, they're not going to hold merely the Treasury Department accountable, but they're going to hold the pastor accountable. Right. But with this, the pastor is able then to forecast 
different expenses and what will transpire later on through the year, what he or she as the pastor should expect would happen in a given month, what are the giving patterns of the church members. So therefore, you have good cash liquidity as it relates to what's in your account and what's transpiring. So I believe the pastor needs to be aware. Now, there are some pastors who say, well, I don't want to know what this individual gives. Well, I don't know what that individual gives. As long as you don't use the information in a punitive form, you're all right. Um, but then you're also, as a pastor, able to know what to preach uh, as it relates to good Christian stewardship. So I believe that all of this information the pastor needs. In the budgeting process, if you're saying, well, we want to, you know, uh, put new carpet down or we want to uh, do something for the kids' rooms or we want to do evangelism, if you're unaware of what transpires as it relates to your church in terms of what is coming in, I don't think you're in the best position to make recommendations to the church board and the church body as it relates to what major or capital expenditures should take place. So how, how finely connected is the, the, the spiritual health of a church and their financial giving? It was very connected. The Bible's clear. Where your treasure is, there your heart may be also. So therefore, the spiritual, because giving is a spiritual matter. Right. It's a spiritual matter. Yeah. So yeah. therefore, as you seek to uh, promulgate, if you will, the mission and message of the church, the giving is directly associated with that. Salvation is free. Mm -hmm. Jesus died. It was free. But ministry takes money. And so they're very much connected. Right, okay. So when it comes to expenditure, mm -hmm. because we've got the, the, it's the obvious thing, the income and the outgoings. Right. So how do you monitor expenditure? Do you, to what level as a pastor of a church do you monitor that? For me, it's been always high level. Um, and always, always very much a part of that process. So in all the churches I've pastored, we've had a check requisition system or check request form that we had. So when different department heads, they request certain funds or request certain monies, uh, the treasurer uh, will sign off on it. And then there's a space where the pastor signs off on it. So therefore, again, there's a level of checks and balances. So the treasurer and I have a great relate, working relationship. In fact, in all of the churches I've pastored, We've had great working relationships. You need that, don't you? Yes, definitely, yeah. definitely. There's never been a tug of war. We, we work together. Uh, when I arrive as the pastor, I set forth my expectations, uh, help them understand that we are here. Uh, the treasurer is the custodian of the funds, and the pastor is the leader of the church. We are here to push the mission of the church. So, so let me just clarify. So for, for each check that the, your congregation issues, you're a co-signatory on that? Not on the check, on the request form. Okay. So with the request form, the treasurer will not cut the check unless there's a signature for the department head, a signature for the treasurer, and then a signature for the pastor. So after the treasurer has secured the necessary signatures with the department head and the treasurer, the treasurer will bring that information to me, and then we'll go through it, and then I'll sign off on it. Okay. So Not on the check, on the check request form. Yeah. So basically, you're authorizing... Every, every piece of expenditure that happens in your congregation. That's correct. Now, as time goes on and we build that level of trust and working relationship, you know, there are some things that we'll do by phone, by text, by computer and whatnot. But initially, no. And that's to protect me, but that's also to protect the treasurer. Yeah. You yeah. know, everyone needs protection. And therefore, with our reporting, we have full transparency. And with that, people recognize there's a spiritual obligation to give, but also people, there's a comfort in knowing that 
things are being handled properly, the business of the church is being handled properly, and therefore people are more apt to freely give. Okay. Now, I heard a little whisper. We didn't talk about this beforehand, but you've been in, I won't mention any particular churches because I didn't hear the names of the locations, but you've been in some places where churches been in some pretty serious strife financially and yet after your leadership there some things have turned around. Definitely. You know I'd love to explore a little of that when we come back right after this break. We'll be right back with more Ministry of Motion. Welcome back to Ministry in Motion. Our topic today is keeping your church afloat financially and our guest, Dr. Carlton Bird. Now, Carlton, you've been in some pretty stormy situations where, where some water was coming on board and the, the church may not have been keeping afloat when, when you arrived. Walk us through, what, what, what did you do? Okay, so first and foremost, um, I would do my own audit of the church. Now, I probably, God is blessed because I have an MBA and one of my bachelor's degrees is in business management, emphasis accounting. So there are some things, you know, I understand. But I would do an audit of the church myself to begin to look at things, look at certain things. And with an audit, you just have a sample size. But you're able to look at that. But then you're also able to put some systems in place to protect the church, protect people working in the church. And we, we do all of that. And then you do some serious forecasting. You know, you, you begin Budgeting. to... Yes, budgeting and your forecasting. Well, if we stay to this plan, by this time, we should be here. Right. Okay, so all of that coupled with strong monitoring of not just your inflows, but your outflows. And we talked about that earlier with the check request system. Mm -hmm. uh, we talked about reports uh, getting to you from your treasury department. We talked about a realistic budget, not an idealistic budget, but a realistic church budget. Right. Uh, all of those things are very important. On a monthly basis, um, we have our board meetings and we look through every line item very carefully. Uh, and then quarterly, we try to have our church business meetings. So therefore, our church members understand the importance of transparency. And with that transparency, they're more apt to support. They're more apt to give. So with the realistic budgeting versus the idealistic budgeting, with what we do every week, I talked about earlier with the review of what comes into the church and then uh, the reports in terms of what goes out and then also then the transparency. All these have aided in helping turn around church or a ministry to where we need to be. So reporting seems to be a recurring theme that I hear. There's reports that the, the treasurer is well informed. You're well informed with reports coming to you. Mm -hmm. There's reports to the church board. Mm -hmm. Where else do you do the reporting to, to broaden the awareness? You, you, to the church body. Right. Now, you need to understand, and I want to share with those who are watching, that with every level, there's a different measure of reporting. You okay. know, so with the church body, particularly in the world in which we live, with, with the body now, there's a certain level of reporting. It's very high level, very, you know, general. It gets more specific when we're at the board. Then with the finance committee, it's even more specific. And then with the pastor and the treasury team, it's most specific. So I think that's very important so that everyone sees, everyone understands. Because the language that we may use at one level may be different than another level, given comprehension and understanding. Mm -hmm. But reporting 
is critical, critical. So that there's a, a general awareness and a general ownership. You know, as we're, we're thinking about this metaphor of keeping the church afloat, I, I can't help but think of that boat on the Sea of Galilee. Yes. When the storm was coming, Jesus was almost a, a guest passenger. Yes. But they're saying, Lord, even it's time for you now to start bailing. Yes. You know, to, to, to get the water out. So when, when it comes to spreading the ownership mm -hmm. of stewardship, of financial responsibility, how do you spread that ownership so it's, so it's not just with the board, it's not just with you as the pastor, and it's not just with the treasurer? Spreading the ownership is education, through education for me. Right. Educating the people to understand this is a monthly, typical month in terms of a budgeting process. Okay. These are our typical inflows. These are our typical outflows. And with that, this is what we have to satisfy. This is why we do what we do. For example, at the beginning of the year, I have a major church business meeting, okay? When I say major, I take my time to walk the church through the finances of the church. The treasurer and I, together collectively, we stand before them, and we walk them through that process and educate them in that process so they might take ownership, so they might understand we have a responsibility here. This is our church, this is the Lord's work, and we have to do that. Now, a lot of my credibility is built with my educational background, with the transparency and with the reporting but also through my own personal testimony. Um, I am what I call a 10 plus 10 plus giver. By that, the Lord requires through obedience to return an honest tithe. Mm -hmm. Our offering, uh, combined budget offering, is what I feel our love for the Lord. The Bible says give according to that you're able in your offering. So with your tithe, I give 10%. With my offering, I give another 10% because I believe my offering should match my obedience. Right. And then now my wife and I, we have grown to the point where we're 10 plus 10 plus. If my love for the Lord should continue to grow, should not then my offerings continue to grow? So where I was formerly 10 plus 10, I've been 10 plus 11, and now we're at about 10 plus 12. Wow. Because I want my love for God to continue to grow, and that should be shown and manifested through my giving. So, Ty, that's not up for discussion or debate. That's obedience. Mm -hmm. My offering is my love for the Lord, and I want to continue to grow that. People are aware of that, Anthony. Right. You know, they're aware of that. Uh, treasury members see it. They see my giving like they see everyone else's. Church members are aware of that, and I believe that is also a source of inspiration for them. Our pastor's doing it. He's not just talking the talk, but he's walking the walk. He's also doing it. So then that increases my credibility where I can speak on the subject because I'm not asking you to do what I'm not willing to do myself. Well, that's a powerful testimony, you know, just sharing there. And I can see how that does initiate a, a spirit of generosity and faithfulness as well as obedience right. in the local church. God rewards faithfulness. Yeah. He rewards it, and he rewards it in so many different ways. Let me tell you, I have never had a vision for ministry that I could afford. If I could afford it, it wouldn't be of God. Wow. So the vision the Lord has given me for ministry, I can't afford it. But because it's God's will, it's God's bill. Mm. Because it's God's choice, it becomes God's invoice. And God will make provision for the vision. I've never had anything I could afford, but he always makes provision for the vision. Wow, that's a powerful point. When we come back, we'll explore with Carlton Bird who should speak about finances in the local church.
Welcome back to Ministry in Motion. Our topic today is keeping your church financially afloat and our guest is Dr. Carlton Bird. Now Carlton, in a church, who should be teaching, who should be speaking primarily about stewardship, giving and faithfully returning a, a tithe and so forth? Well, Anthony, I do believe that the people respond to the leadership. And in this case, the pastor should be one of those individuals. Um, I shared in our previous segment about the fact, my own personal experience, my wife and I, and what we believe and what we share. That speaks in a powerful way. It speaks in a powerful in way. In a nonverbal, but an extremely powerful way. And so with that, when people are aware of that, and you've shared that testimony, and then you begin to then preach and, and you begin to teach about the importance of finances, the importance of Christian stewardship and the importance of giving. It takes on a different level of uh, impact with the congregants uh, because they're saying, you know, he's doing this. So he's not asking us to do again what he's not doing himself. And so therefore, because of that, I think number one, to answer your question, the pastor, the pastor must, he or she, you know, be able and willing to speak on the importance of returning to the Lord what is rightfully His. Let's come to frequency. Okay. What, what would be a, a reasonable to take a specific sermon message on stewardship and financial giving? I would dare to say it has to be done at least minimally twice per year. Right. Minimally twice per year in your local church. Uh, you want to make sure that people don't begin to think that all you're after is their money. But from a spiritual perspective, minimally twice per year. That's in your main service. Then you might use an opportunity to have a stewardship workshop or a stewardship week of prayer even uh, during the week, during the year, uh, where people are hearing different methods and principles of stewardship. Very biblical. Mm -hmm. uh, but I want to stress that we have to share with our people that we don't give to get. Yes. This is not a prosperity scenario where we're giving and because we give, we're going to automatically get in return. If the Lord gives me nothing else, Anthony, he's already given me enough. He gave his son, Jesus Christ, to die for us 2,000 years ago. And through his shed blood, we can have eternal life. So I don't give to get. I give out of obedience and I give out of my love for the Lord. Mm -hmm. He died. All he asks is that we live. So then after I've done that as the pastor, I would dare to suggest Local members can, can give and they can share in testimony. They can share in sermon. Uh, people may see the pastor. Well, that's the pastor. What about the local member? And so we have at our church, uh, oftentimes, during the worship giving time, the giving and worship, the offertory time, where the individual who has led in that element, that liturgical element of the worship experience, that that individual begins to share a testimony. Share what okay. God has done in their life. Share how faithfulness in the returning of tithe and offering has been a blessing in their life. So let me just make sure I'm catching this correctly. So the person who is actually calling for the offering or the, the giving of gifts and so forth, right? they take that as an opportunity to, to share a testimony of how the Lord has blessed them by, by giving themselves. Yes. As you know, I pastor on a college campus mm -hmm. and uh, each time in our weekly corporate worship, we try to have two students uh, share in the worship experience in some form, be it giving the prayer, leading the offertory, calling the people to worship. Uh, but one in particular, you know, a gentleman, student, mm -hmm. he, he would begin to share in testimony. You know, even being a student, no income, <laughs> but recognizing that all of the increase, God calls us to return all of the increase. 
So he began to talk about increase and he talked about how he returned to the Lord faithfully, even his increase. Uh, it may not have been much, but, but we're not looking so much for quantity, but quality and honesty. And uh, he would share how he returned to the Lord. And then he shared how he was driving a vehicle that was barely running. But yet he was faithful to the Lord and how he would have to walk and whatnot. But then he gave a testimony, came back later and said, look now, the Lord has blessed me with reliable transportation. If God can do it for me, God can do it for you. Of course, I'm paraphrasing, but the point was true where people begin to see even this student by being faithful, by honoring the Lord, how God rewarded his faithfulness. And you know, financial giving, it's, it's an integral part of the gospel. Right. Did you know? And it's, it's not separated from it. Like so many times when we read in the New Testament, particularly in the gospels, yes. we bump up against this money issue. Right. You, you know, at times I think we can be too resident, too reserved to, to mention it. But you, you, you're exploding that myth, aren't you? Yes. The Bible's clear. Cry aloud and spare not. <laughs> but you have to share. Of course, there's a manner in which you share because you don't want to be misunderstood. Exactly. You don't want what you say to be misrepresented. But I think we have a responsibility, just like with anything else in the Bible. Tithing, offering, giving, it's in the Bible. Mm. I think we have to share. But what I love is, and I must share this, so oftentimes we'll quote Malachi 3, uh, yes. 8 through 10. Will yes. a man rob God? Yet ye have robbed me, but ye say, wherein have you robbed thee? And tithe and offering. You're cursed with a curse, for ye have robbed me, even this whole nation. Bring ye all the tithe in the storehouse. So we read verses 8, 9, and 10. But I love verse 11, where God says, I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes. Wow. Which means God's going to protect you. Yeah. You are returning to the Lord. When you return to the Lord, what is rightfully is, and you're honest, and you're giving out of a heart of love, you're giving out of a heart of cheerfulness. God says, look, I'm going to protect you. I will not let the devourer uh, mess with you or, or trouble you, but I, in essence, will rebuke the devourer for your sakes. Mm. Oh, that's a wonderful promise. Yeah. That's a blessed promise to know that God will protect me when I honor the Lord, when I return to the Lord, when I give out of love, God's going to rebuke the devourer devour for my sake. You know, you're exactly right. And, and my wife and our family, we've had a similar experience. And okay. it's, it's amazing how you led to bargains. You know, <laughs> it's something that you need. And, you know, for some reason, the price is lower than you're anticipating. You know, uh, stuff lasts longer. I've even had the situation where pens have leaked in my pocket. Okay. <laughs> and instead of the ink going on the outside of the pocket, it's gone on the inside right. so that you can still wear the shirt. It wasn't, wasn't destroyed or anything like that. And all of that I put down to just a, a small example of how the, the Lord has blessed and, and cared for our family. Anthony, I don't know how God does it. Yeah. But he does it. Exactly. I don't know how it multiplies, but he does it. And he takes the little that we have and it becomes much when we place it in his hand. Yeah. You know, I, I can remember reading a book. It was a, a book which captured um, some sayings and some messages of a guy called Carl George. Okay. And in there, he was talking to a group of pastors. And one of the topics that was raised in the book was... Pastors who are hesitant about speaking on tithing. Mm -hmm. and, and Carl George said to this, this group of pastors, he said, if you're not prepared to do it, right. 
give the microphone to someone who is. <laughs> yeah, to somebody who's faithfully returning tithe, to faithfully somebody who's faithfully supporting the church financially, and let them speak because they won't be silent. That's right. That's right. If you're not willing to do it, God will identify someone else, and He will use someone else for His glory. And all of this works together. It goes full circle. We're talking about keeping the church afloat spirit, uh, financially. It's spiritual. Yeah. It's spiritual. I would dare to say where the Lord has taken me in my experience and I, under his guidance, the Lord has used me to help turn situations around for churches and ministries. It's spiritual. When we're doing what we're supposed to do first, then we set a plan in action next under the almighty God. God will bless. Matthew 6, is clear. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then all these things shall be added unto you. Carlton, thank you. Thank you for bringing your wisdom, your experience, your expertise. We're very appreciative. Thank you for having me. I've enjoyed it. Thank you. God bless you, mate. God bless you. Let's take a moment to capture the main points from the program. First of all, the pastor should be aware of the entire operations of the church, including finances and budgets. Secondly, have well-defined church expenditure processes. The third point was consistently report to the church on financial operations. Create the philosophy that the church finances should be owned by everyone and certainly not limited to just the pastor or the leadership. The fifth point was systematically preach and teach stewardship. And the final point was the power of testimonies. Thanks so much for joining us on Ministry in Motion. Until next time, may God richly bless you.